What's good? We back another episode of the Man and Man podcast. Yeah, now, obviously, you, you know you you got me, AB, Antoine Bate, along with my co-host D Butt. Yes, sir. And um, you know, this is uh, another special uh, episode, and and for me, um, I guess um, my brother, my agent for fourteen years, um, been doing it, you know. Uh, really big, and we kind of grown grown up together in this game, man. And um, Adisa Bakari, man, what's good? You. Everything, man. I appreciate you all having me on the show, man. Appreciate you joining, man. Appreciate you joining. Nah, man. Yeah. Um, we're gonna jump right into it. It is. Um, we're gonna forget Darius too because he was supposed to be in the family. I can't. Oh, man. a couple, three times, <laughs> but I think I get that out of the way. Oh man, yeah, we can do that. Man. That's definitely a conversation. <laughs> You know, yeah, that whole experience was nah, totally different love. in today's day and age. So uh, we're definitely getting yes, that. Yes, sir. Man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So jump right into it. Um, D Butt, I think. Um, I think we were on Twitter, and I think you kind of mentioned it as far as where these, um, you know, these athletes they're foregoing their either they're foregoing the um the football season and they're mm-hmm. opting to go um and train and start working out, um instead of playing the season. Yeah. And it's funny because not even it was what a week ago Adisa where you yeah, came, came to Virginia. Down. Yeah. So uh Adisa came down to the bar, we were sitting down and we actually had this conversation. Same as convo. far as the same convo. So yep. it was just funny how um how we were able to really just tie this in. So Adisa um having you here on the show, like what's your you know your opinion and your perspective coming from an agent as far as would you go that route as far as what guy was you know decided to uh not to play this season would right. you decide to you know sign this guy would you be like you know you know what that investment is a little bit too large for me or right. what would be your 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 opinion on that or your viewpoint sure sure i think really you know it boils down to an agency's this philosophical underpinning how they run their business um, quite frankly, uh, Antoine, obviously, you can speak to that. Darius, you can speak to it, too, because you, you heard it all those years ago and, and made the decisions you made with respect to representation. Yep. We, we never invest a lot of money in players. We don't, and this is not to disparage my competitors, even though it's going to sound like that. We don't offer financial inducements to sign players. I want people who see the world the way I see it, who understand the value proposition that we bring, who, quite frankly, want exceptional uh, business and legal counsel, understanding that football is their job and it doesn't define them, that the business of football, this 20-plus billion-dollar-a-year industry, is one that allows uh, individuals, athletes, to make legacy wealth, to create legacy wealth. In order to do that, you want to be aligned with the right people. You want to be aligned with people with a certain level of expertise that can help you navigate this $20 billion enterprise. Um, Oftentimes, young people in this industry are not, one, exposed to the realities of, and these are unfortunate realities. We still live in a business where 80 plus percent of the players retire broke, period. I mean, if you do the history real quickly, the NFL eclipsed Major League Baseball as America's pastime in the early 80s. Right. Mm-hmm. In the early 80s, we had the Purple People Leaders of Minnesota. We had the Steel Curtain of Pittsburgh. We had the Hogs of Washington Redskins, America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Everybody loved the NFL, but NFL players were not making any money because, quite frankly, before 1993, 
the adoption of the first collective bargaining agreement, there was no free agency. And because there was no free agency, players were always threatening and, quite frankly, exercising their right to strike. So although the league had eclipsed Major League Baseball and surpassed basketball in terms of popularity, the revenue wasn't coming in because, again, professional sports is a media business. Yeah. Right. And so networks, then television and radio networks. Now it's everything, handheld devices, anything that can stream a medium. They weren't willing to invest the money because there was always a risk of what? A work stoppage. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't infuse all this cash because I don't know how many games I'm going to get if I'm a media company. In 1993, fast forward uh, with the name plaintiff, the late great Reggie White, we we as players win uh, this notion of being free. Three years were restricted. Four years were completely free unless a team decides to exercise their right to franchise you. And consequently, two things were the primary results of that lawsuit. One, players got to be able to move and go to the market and command a certain price point vis-a-vis the open market, right? I.e. Mm -hmm. going to the highest bidder. But most importantly for both owners and players, we finally had labor peace. So now we could begin to monetize the popularity of the sport. Now the networks were saying, okay, I know I'm going to get then 14 games and eventually 16 regular season games plus playoffs in the Super Bowl. So here's then hundreds of millions of dollars and now billions of dollars going into this golden goose, this ever popular sport. And so while the revenue of the NFL from 1993 today and revenue generated by the league and player salaries, literally, if we had a chart, it was going like this. And then after 93, it goes straight up, right? Where Mm -hmm. NFL players today rival that of traditional corporate executives on Wall Street or on Silicon Valley, right? We're talking about NFL players over the course of their, you know, if God willing, if they get to 10 years, you could earn north of 50 to $70 million over the course of a career. Now we see with deals like Pat Mahomes just signed, despite the particulars and some of the money is funny, but we see salaries continuing to rise. The sad commentary coupled with that reality, with that history, is while salaries have steadily risen since 1993 for players, right? The solvency rate, the success rate of players has steadily declined, Mm -hmm. right? And so certainly you can say the onus is on the player. You should know better. You should surround yourself by certain people, woo, woo, woo. I mean, you 21, 22 years old, what you you supposed to know about navigating a multi-billion? I mean, I always tell the prospects, if you look at this thing and equate it to your counterpart who's in business school, your counterpart who's in law school. They're going to go to law school for three years or go to B school for a couple, three years. They're going to start off as a mid-level position making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And by the time they graduate to a C-suite position, a CEO, mm-hmm. a CFO, a CAO, COO, they're in their mid-40s. Mm-hmm. You get drafted and become a CEO. A CEO. Yeah. <laughs> You're 22 years old. The difference is your counterpart, that B school, that lawyer, whatever, He or she has had 20 years to develop a certain savvy, a business savvy, to understand how to navigate these multi-billion dollar waters that are corporate America, where you as a young athlete, you expect to know it. And the the fact of the matter is we see failure at an alarming rate because players aren't savvy enough coming in to, to select certain people. Moreover. And don't get me on this. You put me on this box. so I'm gonna give it to you. Moreover, There are rules in place. There are rules in place by the NFL union that prohibit financial inducements, that prohibit agents from offering money as an inducement 
to sign with that agent. But no one enforces the rules, and thus the rules are broken. Yeah, so I was going to ask you. Go so ahead, how, how does that? Um, uh, I guess your, uh, you know, obviously your principles. How does that work when it comes to compete with these uh, big time guys? Because like these guys, obviously most of these guys that are, you know, opting out and not going to play this year, you know, these are going to be probably first, second round picks. Um, you know, unless something happens. Um, so how do you compete when you have all these other agencies that will come in and and, and give them these, you know, these financial incentives or um, you know, and, and what usually goes on with, with high on prospects is, you know, you're paying for training, you're playing for travel, uh, you know, so, putting them up somewhere and all that stuff. So how do you, uh, I guess, compete? How does that affect how you compete with those guys? So for the listeners, let me be clear. Antoine obviously can attest to it. We pay for training. Mm-hmm. We pay for travel. We give a modest stipend. I'm not giving you a signing bonus to come to me. I'm certainly not giving you a so-called marketing guarantee to sign with me. <laughs> marketing Twan, event. Right. <laughs> right, that marketing event. Twan introduced me not at first as his agent, not first as his lawyer, but as his brother. Yep. Twan knows that if he calls, I'm there. I don't need the why over the phone. I'll get the why I'm coming when I get there. Mm-hmm. I know if I call Antoine, he ain't going to ask me no questions. He's going to be where I need him to be. I can say that for, so now when we go to your question, Darius, about competition, Antoine Bethea, Maurice Jones-Drew, Matt Forte. These are older guys, semi-retired with Antoine, mm-hmm. but let's go current. Le'Veon Bell, Tyrod Taylor, Stephon Diggs, D. Ford. We're competing just fine. Absolutely. Right? And the reason we're competing just fine, now here's the twist. I got to go through more people to find Antoine Bethea. Mm-hmm. Right. I got to go through more people to find Stefan Diggs or D Ford or whomever it may be, because I'm looking for a certain personality in addition to a certain athlete. And I know going I in that everybody. That exactly. I'm, I'm, I, I go in knowing that everyone else just offered you a bag, but no real business services. I'm going to mm-hmm. explain to you, if you allow me the prospect, I'm going to explain to you how this business works and why eight out of 10 of them fail in every locker room, end up broke. We talked about from 2011 to now, the last CBA, over $50 billion Mm. transferred from owners to players. That's crazy. They say 70% of the players are black. We know that number ain't 70%. We know as high as Twan alluded to earlier, but let's Mm. for the sake of math, let's just stick with the the, the published number that roughly 70% of the NFL is black. That's $35 billion over a decade. $35 $35 billion transferred from NFL from 32 owners to 70% of this league. That should then mean a huge difference in the individual player family, in the individual player's community, and, no, and most notably, the legacy that that player leaves behind in terms of his children and his grand... I'll put, not to put his business out there, but Antoine's kids' kids never have to worry about money again. Right? Mm-hmm. And so... What we're not seeing, though, considering all of that wealth, we should see we're, we're in the midst of talking about social justice and, and, and leveling the playing field finally for black people in America. Sports provides a financial conduit where despite what you feel mor- morally as a non-black person, as a white person, there's so much money made in traditional sports and traditional entertainment that we should be seeing a huge shift in the black community. But we're huge. not. But we're <laughs> and, not. And I... I offer, I proffer this reality that because of, so you take Lil Pookie, Lil Ray Ray, whatever, and he comes from humble beginnings, like I'm sure all three of us, mm-hmm. right? And 
I come in the room talking about this team of business lawyers and all these experts going to be dealing with you and the agent fee covers all the legal fees and the, uh, the agent negotiation. Woo, woo, woo. It's going to take a special family to really appreciate that when everybody who's come before me and everybody coming after me, they ain't got no business services. They're going to say, they're my clients. We got this hundred thousand though. Yeah. But, but the, but to be real though, like that's a, that's a tough decision to make. It is. I respect them young boys and I get it. Trust me. I've had conversations where where young boys were like, bro, I want to rock with you. But homie just offered me a hundred (laughs) bands. And I'm like, bro, yeah, earmuffs for some of you listeners but i'm like bro that's strip of money <laughs> i'm like you don't leverage your life for a hundred thousand dollars man for fifty thousand dollars i said give me four months you're gonna be paid come april mm-hmm. if he offering mm-hmm. all things being equal if an agent is coming after you with that kind of money you're likely all things being equal not a science there's no certainty but you're likely going to be a high round draft pick anyway you're going to be a millionaire in four months don't yeah. you want to go to sleep and rest peacefully at night knowing that your business team got your back Twan yeah. ain't never once in 14 years had, wondering what i'm doing when he's not around yeah and it's and it's crazy because like you said like you know humble beginnings for you know 20 21 years what's four months I you say that I mean? in, I, trust yeah. me i'm gonna say that in two hours when i'm on a zoom call with a <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but but it's hard though it's it right. is. It is. It is. my duke she's struggling y'all in a little one room situation and a yeah. dude saying 100 grand now i can put mom in a better situation but and so what i try to impress upon the young boys is that listen man you want to do this with a long-term horizon in mind a long-term perspective in mind this is not now that's right and case. i know that's difficult for any young person because yeah. we want instant gratification, yeah. right? But then I point out, there's a reason. This is not, and everybody thinks it's because of consumption, right? You spend your way into the poorhouse. NFL salaries are too high. You can't even buy your way into the poorhouse. The reason NFL players are going broke, the reason NBA players are going broke, IRS, bad business deals, mm-hmm. thinking that because you're an expert in football, you're an expert in real estate development. Mm-hmm. Because you grew up in an apartment, you now know what it's like to own apartments. Well, yeah. you spent your 10,000 years developing an expertise playing football. That right. real estate developer spent the same amount of time studying real estate. Just like he or she can't watch a bunch of NFL network and fall out of bed and be an NFL safety or all of fame safety, yeah. you can't fall out of bed and buy a bunch of buildings because you got millions and expect right. to be successful. Right? And so we try to have that conversation. But I'll tell you this, Darius, again, to answer your question. We travel all over the country to find the right players. We recruit probably 100 guys every year just to get five, mm-hmm. just to get five to seven rookies. We get it. I close. I mean, we, we walk out of meetings when everybody's like, yeah, you talking all this stuff. What about such? I'm like, yeah, pops, we don't do that. Yeah, moms, we don't do that. And that's what you're looking for. It's going to be a bunch of folks offering it, but yeah. I respect it and we bounce. But every year for the past 20 years, we sign the right people for us. And every year I end up with Antoine Bethes, Maurice Jones-Drews, Matt Fortes, Tyrod Taylor. And so my roster of clients over the past 20 years rivals that of any organization. The other thing, too, I'm knocking on wood because they coming. <laughs> I've been fired on I can, on 20 years. I, make, I, I would have to think after one hand, but I'm sure I've been fired at least 10 times. Ask me the number of times my, I, somebody poached one of my clients. We family. It's uh, my clients almost want to swing on the dude. It's a personal friend. Don't be coming at me with that bullshit talk <laughs> about a decent. Yeah, you know, and and that's because of everything we give them. They know who we are as people. 
I know, trust me, I see it at the, at the combine. Everybody nervous about the run and woo-woo-woo. You trying to get some comfort from your agent, and them dudes sitting there with their corny-ass agents looking to get away. Like, I don't really relate to this dude on any <laughs> level. He just mm -hmm. gave me a bag. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Moreover, we all know, without going into detail, shit going to hit the fan. Some stuff going to happen. Well, mm -hmm. you ain't going to be able to call mom and dad or auntie or grandma right away. Yeah. Right? And, and most of these dudes trying to figure it out by themselves. Man, hey, go ahead, I've I've had instances where, <laughs> you know, like he just yeah. said, like it's been it's been times where now nah, I'm not calling mom and pops right now. Mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? I'm not going to call big bro right now. You know what I'm saying? So it, the, the relationship is different. You know what I mean? The relationship is that's different. And, and that's something that I that um that was something that was very important to 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 not only me to my to my mom and my dad when adisa <clears throat> walked into the living room was like you know i don't want this to be just a situation where you come into the to the to the to the living room we talk about it okay i don't hear from you i don't see from you for another couple months you know it's been instances where i'm in the locker room and the young guys be like man i haven't talked to my agent or seen my agent since i signed you know what i'm saying yeah. and, I and if, if Go ahead. No, no, I was about to say I actually had an agent in my recruiting process. Uh, tell me that, like, like I'm, I'm doing your deals. Um, you know, I'm gonna get you the best money I get you, but you know, I'm not one of these cats. You know, I'm not about to be hanging out with you. I'm about to be answering the phone all times. And now he was an older dude um, who I respected. And I wanted him, and he was, that that kind of eliminated for me just because I didn't need you know anybody who was calling me every day on my line. But I definitely needed in an agent somebody who I felt like I could reach out to at any time for anything. And, um, you know, he going to help me take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. So I definitely, that's definitely key for somebody looking for, a, you know, a good agent. Yeah. And then, like so, you said, it's, it's, it's a long haul too. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I, if basically we in business together, you know what I'm saying? Cause at the end of the day in the NFL, you a business of, of, of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Right. Your, your brand right. is the name on the back of your Jersey. So at the end of the day, we in business together and I want this to be a long-term business relationship. So, even when I'm done playing ball, shoot, I still we should still have that relationship. You know what I mean? If yeah. it's 10 plus years in the league that you know we've been doing business together, you've been doing business for me, we've been work, we've been rocking. Shoot, when I'm done playing, it shouldn't be the world, man. I appreciate what you did for me, man. Right. <laughs> so nah, like nah, yeah. I want I want to gain a friend. I want to gain somebody that I can really call, I can lean on. Obviously, now you know, as he's preaching now, you know what I'm saying? I get these pre <laughs> I get these sermons all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get these sermons all the time, but this is something that I that I appreciate. You know what I mean? And something that I appreciate and that I feel as though that I that I, that everybody needs. You know what I mean? And and yeah. Twan's, I mean, look, I, I'm speaking for him, but the same would apply for guys that have retired, like Matt Forte or Maurice Jones Drew or whomever. They're smart dudes, right? One, we help them to become savvy business people, to understand different business spaces that they want to enter into. Twan knows. That if he called me, he's going to get a little bit of a lecture for some new shit, right? New things. I'm going to talk to him about these things to consider. Now, when he was 21, 22, you know, a lot of those issues were big issues because he's hearing them for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm holding his hand every step of the way. Now, Twan brings me in to close a deal. Hey, take a look over this business lease. I already negotiated the terms. or We got a couple things that stick. Oh, I'm about to sign this deal. But... Twan don't make a move business-wise without hollering. Maurice Drew don't make a move business-wise. And these are now they're in their 30s. They they don't need their hands held anymore from a corporate yeah. standpoint. They can walk into any boardroom in America and command a level of attention. Always been able to walk on any street corner in America and command the same attention. 
But now that conversation is multifaceted. Now they can handle themselves on the block, but also handle themselves on Wall Street. But they're savvy enough to know that I got a team of business lawyers at my beck and call. So when things get a little bit above my brow, when I don't, well, I don't really understand these concepts, let me get a decent on the line. Yeah. And Twan knows that my phone, I'm going to answer unless I'm 30,000 feet in the air. And now, you know, I ain't getting in the plane. I ain't getting on the plane. <laughs> so my phone is always on. So the, the point, the bigger point is for us with respect to that, um, my partner and I, when, when the players started opting out of school, we chuckled a little bit because I'm always excited for my competitors to overspend for these guys that we end up signing and not doing the same things that they do to sign the same caliber of players. Again, mm-hmm. we sign first round all the way to undrafted. We negotiate some of the highest contracts at every position in the sport, right? And uh, But I don't have to do what other guys have to do, what other agencies have to do to sign those same players. One, because we actually offer a real business proposition, a real service proposition mm-hmm. to players so they know what they're paying for. One of the reasons, knock wood, that we don't – go ahead, Darius. No, I'm just saying that's, that's, that's yeah. key, man. And, um, that's, and that's, that's one of the reasons we don't get the whole I want 1% or, or I want to fire you in two weeks. Yeah. When they get in that locker room, I used to tell Twan all the time, like, man, you ain't never sending these young boys my way, man. He's like, man, these dudes don't want your kind of representation. <laughs> no, it's real, though. <laughs> he was like, they don't want what you offer. So my, my point is, we continue to find, and I'm, look, I'm 47 years old. I'm still young. There may come a point in my life where, so Twan mentioned he wanted more than just, and we hear this now in politics, a transactional relationship. That's the current president. You do for me, I do for you. You mm-hmm. can be a Ku Klux Klan member. If you say you like me, I'm not going to bash you on TV. I won't yeah. I won't negate you if you say everything that certain people do is what is, is a quid pro quo. If you do for me, I do. Twan wanted more than a transactional relationship. My clients want more than simply somebody to negotiate their deal and then they figure it out. I mean, this this is a very sensitive issue that we bring up with families because I'll ask the family because I, most of the people I'm recruiting, I come from the same same situation. Mm-hmm. How many people in your family, your immediate family, are multimillionaires? The answer is a resounding none every time. Yeah. So why do you think you and your mama, you and your aunt, you and whomever else can manage a multi-million dollar business when you've never even understood what that looked like? You don't even yeah. know what the, the issues, think about it, Darius, as you started to climb the ladder. You are having financial and business issues that your family ain't never heard of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got most folks doing W-2 taxes and that's it. 1040 mm-hmm. easy form and that's it. Now you got alternative minimum tax. You got the jock tax. You got this. I never forget. I had a player, older player, retired, Kendall Langford. Big Kendall. Yeah, and Kendall mm-hmm. hit me. He was like a decent. Talk to my man, Joe. Talk to my man. I'm like, boy, boy. He literally thinks that he has not He had the, 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 the player had uh, two children from one woman and, a, and another child from another one, and he thought he had an estate plan. Mm-hmm. But what he was referring to his estate plan, he was referring to the beneficiary de- the beneficiary designation form for the four hundred one k for the four hundred one k four hundred one k. Now anybody who understands money understands the four hundred one k is not how you get four hundred one k is is a nine to five vehicle. The only reason we utilize the 401k as players in the NFL is because of the two-for-one match. It's three months. Yeah. But you ain't saving no that. money with the 401k. That's not a, a real investment vehicle, right? That's some little side thing, but that is, that's not going to be where I'd rely on anything for my life at the moment. way, way down the line. Yeah, exactly. I remember when Twan first signed his estate plan, He was we were in uh, California. 
Vegas. Nah, we went, it was Vegas. Yeah. It was Vegas. Yep. And so I was like, damn, we got all these documents? I'm like, yeah, bro, this ain't, this ain't no little bit of state we're talking about. Yeah. It's a will. It's various trust documents. It's living will. This is what an elaborate estate plan looks like. Most cats in the locker room don't even have a legal Zoom document, mm -hmm. let alone. And you can't, Darius, have an intelligent conversation. You cannot have an intelligent conversation about wealth preservation and the transference of wealth without trusting the state lawyers. I know this because I started my career as an executive compensation lawyer. I negotiate, I was negotiating money deals, employment mm -hmm. agreements, compensation agreements. But those same executives, what once I negotiate the deal, they would then work with Michael Hepmer and Antoine Norman. They would work with the trust and the state lawyers to do the estate planning. They would work with other lawyers, intellectual property lawyers to protect their name, image, and likeness, corporate lawyers on all the corporate matters. It wasn't me doing everything. I'm not a jack of all trades. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a master at one thing. <laughs> That's this negotiating how much money you get, period. Mm -hmm. But everything else, there are other experts for. And so this type of conversation is one that, so going to your question about competing, in any business, you always want to analyze how you're disrupting the market. That should be your first question. Are you disrupting the market? Mm -hmm. If you are doing the same thing everyone else is doing, then you got to come with that bag. <laughs> That's why you got to come with that bag of cash because yeah. yeah. there's nothing to distinguish you from anyone else. How is your coffee different? How is your widget different? How is whatever it is? So we come in with traditional legal and business representation that's afforded to traditional high net worth people. The conversation that I have with prospective athletes is a normal conversation for people not in sports, for traditional business executives. Yeah, like you said, to, those people, they don't live the whole life. And they don't they develop that savviness over, you know, 10, 15 years. Exactly. And they, um, and obviously, you know, some a lot of those are coming from different backgrounds as backgrounds. well. Yeah. So, That's true. They come alone. Many of them come from money. They come yeah. from wealth. So they know what it is. I'm not getting married without a prenup. I yeah. Mean, a prenup ain't no bad document. It's just understanding that if the, if the marriage dissolves, I'm not going to let a judge just say half, you know, because yeah. because divorce court is property court. The mm -hmm. judge don't care who cheated on who or who hit who. That ain't nothing. That, that's y'all. Y'all deal with that on some counseling yeah. shit. Mm -hmm. I got to divide up these assets. And if there's no prenup, the judge is saying half. Right. Period. And so once I'm in the room, despite the number of people who've been in there before me or after me, we won't always sign, obviously, everybody. But we're always in finals because my proposition of services that we're offering is unlike my competitors. Everybody else sounds exactly the same. Here's my client of roster. I'm the best negotiator and here's his bag of cash. And then it becomes a negotiation on how much cash you get. So to the, to the question, yeah, we were talking to a bunch of dudes, some of whom have decided to opt out this year and they all come back. Hey, we want to sign. And in the beginning, you know, they like, yeah, we like this. We want this. We want this traditional business rep. Woo -woo. And then now they like, yeah, but so-and-so said he's going to give me X. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, if that's, again, bro, if that's what you're looking for, that's not us. And I respect you. I'm going to see you. I'm going to grip you up. I'm going to love on you. But that's not what we do. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I come from the streets. Twan come from the streets. We all come from most of these guys we're talking to. Come. You may not be business savvy at 22, 21 years old, but you hella street smart. Yeah. And you know a hustle every day before it even starts mm -hmm. and when you sign in that paper for that bag you know you hustling dude and dude hustling, dude hustling you, you. Yeah. <laughs> right so you sleeping with one eye open and he's sleeping with one eye open you worrying about and the next man if i buy you on the front end i gotta buy you to keep you 
mm-hmm. when the second contract come around. I don't have those worries with my clients. That's I don't good. have those words with. So yeah, we signed going the, we signed the right kind of Yeah, I mean that that's key. Like yeah. you, especially for um your business models, not just transaction, not just trying to get the biggest guys, biggest names, and keep that machine pump. You're doing it for the right reason with the right people. And and on the other side of that, for the um prospects and the players, especially if you don't have good people around you, um, you know, you want that quick lit. And, and yeah. honestly, the kind of um the kind of thing that's not spoken on a lot is easier for you know a white dude or a jewish dude to get over on the black because you know black man hand you a bag of money oh you might be thinking blah blah white dude hand you you just kind of conditioned going like, oh, okay, legit. Yeah, this might be yeah. legit. like it's good like I'm, I'm yeah let me sign that document yeah whatever i'm sure i'm sure you got my best interest at heart right you right. know always you know black and white you got bad bad black ages bad white ages jewish right, right um i know it's definitely that's that's something to it as well so um i that'll kind of transition me to my next question for you no, that's um, a real that's a real topic. Yeah. I got plenty of stories on yeah, that. Yeah, trust me. Trust me. Cause <laughs> we I, I was in it. I was in it. I actually had a Jewish I... agent. Hold on, I gotta tell you this story. Good. Go I got had a <laughs> tell me because um in my final, I think four, it was two black agents, two Jewish agents. And um, for those of you who don't know, majority of the black players in the league are represented by Jewish agents. I know it's trending the other way now, but when I came to the league 2009, that was just how it was. My cousin, I ended up signing the same agent my cousin had. But anyway, um, I told a guy, you know, yeah, I'm, cause he wouldn't know, oh, who else were you talking to? And I used to tell him like, I'm meeting that guy and this guy and that guy. So he basically told me, all right, you know, if you don't sign with me, you know, don't sign him. Make just sign, make sure you sign with the other Jewish dude, basically. So I'm like, oh, they look after. Wow. They look after. I, I say, yeah. yo, y'all, y'all really old one out here. I, I told my mom that she's like, oh, they both. Yeah, they, so, they. I mean, we the only community that understand that this is a race, yeah, for resources, and it's a race among groups of people. Mm-hmm. We don't get that yet. Look, slavery was real. Slavery yeah. wasn't an after-school Disney special that lasted two hours and had a sequel the next day. Slavery lasted a couple, 300 years. And slavery wasn't just about servitude. It, it's one thing. I mean, yes, the essence of slavery was servitude. But in order to keep you enslaved and not have to watch you constantly, I had to instill a philosophy in you. I had mm-hmm. to make you think, one, that you were inferior. In fact, that God ordained you to be in this subservient position, right? And that there was some defect about you that resulted in you being a slave. And so this context or this this concept of a of a slave mentality is not some, you know, everybody, oh, you great. No, it's real. Black folks aren't used to seeing successful black people. Right, period. Twan mm-hmm. always tell the story. He got his first exotic, he got his first exotic car. He literally is getting it off the truck truck with his dad. He drove five feet and the cops pull him over. The cops <laughs> pulling him over because he ain't supposed to be in that kind of car. Yeah. Period. And so not only did slavery instill a notion of racial inferiority into black people, it instilled a notion of racial superiority in white people, where white people think that they are naturally superior. And this is, I'm talking about good and bad white people. This is ingrained. When we talk about systemic racism, institutionalized mm-hmm. racism, that's what we're talking about. It's embedded in every fabric of our society, right? Even in the things that we learn. I mean, think about it. You're in grade school, you're learning about an isosceles triangle. Pythagorean theorem. Isosceles never created no triangle. Pythagoras <laughs> never had a theorem. These are theorems used to design the pyramids of ancient Egypt. Yeah. But yeah. everything's been whitewashed, right? We learned about a little bit about ourselves. Rosa Parks not getting out the bus. 
Martin Luther King, I have a dream in February, and that's it. Then everything else George is George Washington oh, Carver. That's you know, the <laughs> Roman numerals, yeah, like, or something. Yeah. So you grow up as a kid. You go to church on Sundays and you see on the back wall all these pictures of people who are supposed to be God and God like. None of them look like you. Mm -hmm. What does that do to the psyche of that young child? So these things are very real. And so then, yeah, we go in the living room. <laughs> it's funny, people say, and this is not to juxtapose the two things because one is ultra serious and one is just a little anecdote, little joke. But my partner and I will have to decide whether or not to wear a tie or cufflinks. Is that too much for this family? You know, is da 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 da. And then I'll be, we literally got to have a negotiation with ourselves about what's proper attire so this family can take us seriously. I've been in meetings where we, we were the first hour of the meeting and I've been asked four times if I'm, quote, really a lawyer. They ain't heard nothing. I've been wow. talking about a bunch of it. So hold on. So you went to law school? I'm like, yes, Miss Jones. I went to da 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 da. And they can't get around their head that this dude, yada da. And then I'll leave the meeting and Joe Blow agent coming up behind me looking like he just was cutting his grass and dirty cabinets and a, a ruffled sweater. And I'm like, God damn. You know, yeah. And so, but he walks in with a presumption of intelligence. He walks in with, quite frankly, a presumption of access and wealth. Yeah, where oftentimes <laughs> that joker can't—he can't hold. I mean, literally, he does not have the business experience even close. I, when I was at a big law firm, he couldn't. Most of the folks I was competing with couldn't work in the mail room at the law firms where I worked, where mm -hmm. I was partner. Mm -hmm. But they come in with a presumption, of, a benefit of the doubt that I'm constantly fighting to earn over the course of the uh, the uh, recruitment process. But if we don't begrudge it. I, I'm a student of history, as you can tell by the stuff behind me. I, my history is real. Um, our history is real. I understand how we think as a community and why we think the way we think as a community. And we go in ready for that. Um, yeah. The notion that I got to get a Jewish dude, somehow they count better or they ISIS, you know, it's all it's, it's, it's a product of our of our slave legacy in this country and our history in this country. I hope it's trending in a different direction. Certainly it is with respect to this generation being willing to, to speak out against police brutality but hopefully those conversations extend beyond law enforcement yeah and understand that we need to be correct we are the only group of people where the money in our community leaves the moment the moment we get it yeah. no other group of people. yeah i mean to me we always talk about it, it uh, for me it always goes back to the economics and yeah. um and, and I actually had a post on this about on IG the other day talking about um, how even the athletes, the collection of athletes, how we're in a different um, position in this country where a group of us can control uh, essentially how these some of these white billionaires have to move and have to like you saw the Milwaukee Bucks and how they set mm -hmm. out for games and and to that you know voting centers in every arena, every arena. Like, yeah glimpse of that's, like that's you know, real power bro collective power because like yeah. you said back to slavery um it was it was really it was came down to wealth how, how was this wealth generated it was from labor so obviously the labor and, and and that's one of the things we preach to our clients um understand your value yeah i can tell stories when antoine's second deal we were going into the lockout right and one of the things you know nfl owners like to do is to you know divide and conquer the old rule it's an old strategy because it works <laughs> and nfl owners always use it nfl gms use it. they'll pit the player against his own agent and say oh we got a good deal on that and then uh i think it was chris polian pull antoine aside in the locker room say oh a decent this a decent that and antoine started to articulate what the business principles were 
mm-hmm. as far as this negotiation. He could talk about it as well as I could. Yeah. Right. And so we make sure we educate our clients to understand their value. Everybody thinks, you know, not everyone, but many people think I, I told Le'Veon to sit out of football. I would never tell a player to sit out of football. It's your career. I just advise you on the business matters. Not mm-hmm. to mention, I don't get paid unless the player gets paid. So, I, you know, I need yeah. to play so I can feed my kids. But part of my job in representing Le'Veon was to explain how NFL contracts work globally and how they work with the Green Bay Packers and then the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they don't guarantee money outside of the signing bonus, how you will not have a traditional contract. You won't have a contract that gives you the same level of protection that 30 other teams and the players on 30 other teams will have. Now, you juxtapose that reality with the reality that you're responsible for 35% of the offense with the further reality that you play, that you have the shortest lifespan of any position on the field, Mm -hmm. period. He understood that going into each negotiation. And he said, Adisa, at the end of the day, I'm not giving them my body and, getting, and shortening my career. And I have no promise of you know, financial security. I would choose not to play. Yeah. And, all I, and then once my players, again, what, my job is to help my clients make informed decisions. and their families make informed business decisions, not to make yeah. decisions for them. And once they do, whatever decision they make, I'm going to ride with them because I know it's well thought, off, thought out. Even if I disagree. I'm going to have your back a thousand percent. And when he made that decision, I'm like, let's go. I'm like, trust me, people mad at Kaepernick, but them owners in them private rooms are much ups- more upset with the possibility of the impact of what you're doing sitting out of football and what that could mean for next year and the year after. If players truly understand their value, truly understand that people don't come to the stadium to see Jerry Jones. People mm-hmm. don't come to the stadium to see Dan Snyder or whatever. They come to see y'all, mm-hmm. period. And then the bigger names even more resounding, even more power that yeah. you have. And it's time that, that uh, and I'm, I'm and it's, you know, as an old dude, older dude, it's, it does be, you know, fills my heart to see these players literally util- using their celebrity, using their leverage for, uh, for good and um, for social good, for good beyond their immediate uh, families. And, uh, and it's inspiring to watch. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so how, how long, what year is this for you uh, been an agent in NFL? Uh, 21. Okay, so you're going on 21 years, so that's over two decades where <laughs> we still in 2020 and we got, I think off the top of my head, Chris Greer, Andrew Berry, I think two, two, two black GMs right now? Get so it? Chris, Andrew, I think, yeah, I think that's it. What is uh, Caldwell out there in um, Jacksonville? What he is white, he? He white, dude. Dave yeah, Caldwell? Dave, Dave's, Dave, yeah, he's a GM, but he's you know, white dude. He's white a dude, right, right, right. Yeah, so, um, so, I guess what, what, when it comes to negotiations, I mean, Ozzie, I, mean, I mean, Eric is the GM in Baltimore. Yeah, because but, Ozzie's, he, sti- but, but, but Ozzie's still there. Too. But yeah, technically only two GMs. Two. Yeah. Okay, so over your two decades, oh, two decades plus, how was that? Like navigating those rooms, and like you said, do you think you dealt with? Um, I guess front office people coming in between the players and the, and the agents more. Or, or less because I know one of these pitches that these agents have, especially, is oh, I can get you signed. I got these connections, I got this player on that, and that player on this team. Like, how, 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 how much is that is real, and how much is that is kind of bogus? It's all bogus. Mm-hmm. Um, remember what these GMs are tasked with one simple task winning football games. The way they keep their lifestyles is to win football games, they want players who can help them keep their jobs. They ain't doing deals for friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they damn sure ain't doing multi-million dollar deals for friends because uh, that's a quick way to get you fired. Um, 
I, I, I think my reputation in this business, um, largely because of people like Antoine and other clients that I've mentioned, um, you know, it precedes me in the fact that uh, everyone I deal with, there's a level of respect for what we bring to the table intellectually. Mm-hmm. Everyone we deal with knows how much we fight for our players, knows that um, if I got a player on your, on your team, I know the conversation in your building. I know everything in your locker room, bro. Because mm-hmm. I ain't one of these dudes who sign a player and say, holler at me in four years when it's time to do another deal. So whatever y'all talking about in that building, if I got somebody in that building, I know it too. So you ain't bluffing me on anything. Um, and, um, you know, they know that, look, at the end of the day, we're not trying to embarrass anybody. We're not trying to public. Look, you, you got the hard job to do as a GM. I have a hard job to do as an agent. Um, there's always, I think, in most cases, a middle ground that each of us are trying to find. Sometimes it's a little bit elusive, but we can find it. Um, I, I don't have a problem with any GM. Um, through my time, you know, we've done deals that's resulted in GMs being fired. You know, I've mentioned, you know, Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> but uh, the, the Matt Forte deal resulted in, or well, us not agreeing to that deal resulted in uh, the GM being fired in part. Um, but, you know, it's not like we're trying to get anybody in trouble or trying to embarrass anybody. At the end of the day, the goal is to make sure the player has a salary that's commensurate to the value he brings to that team. So when conversations go left, I say a couple things. One, all we're trying to do is match value to contribution, period. We don't live in a private held, privately held space, meaning you have publicly traded companies and privately held companies. And although mm-hmm. there's a report like Dun & Bradstreet will give you some numbers for privately held companies, but you really don't know what privately held companies are doing. Yeah. It's really hard to discern what their executives are making. But NFL players, professional athletes are equivalent to publicly traded companies. I know what everybody makes and I know why they make what they make. Yeah. Right. So in Le'Veon's case, I had to go in the annals of history to compare his production. There was no contemporary that I could analogize him with. Yeah. Yeah. Period. So I had to go back and get Emmett. I had to go back. I mean, I had literally had to go back and get everybody. Like this dude is a generational player after just five years. And Mm -hmm. so you have to give me generational money. You have to give me a, a guarantee that's a watershed kind of deal and, um, and, and, and so forth and so on. So for us, it's not about antics. It's just about the math. If my dude produces at a certain level, his money should be a certain level. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's that's, that's easy, though. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And then the, and the, the other thing, we, we got the other line we tell folks is like, bro, I'm a, I'm a real candid person sometimes to a fault. And uh, what you see is what you get with me all the time. And um, I'm never going to lie to you. I'm certainly not going to lie to you about things that are easily verifiable. Because in Mm -hmm. this business, in life, all you have is your word. But in this business, we negotiate everything orally and then paper comes after. So as soon as your word is compromised with me, you're dead. Mm -hmm. I'm never doing business with you. Right? And as long as I'm signing the Antoine Thays of the world, you're going to have to see me. Yeah. In the draft or free agency. So you're going to at least have to pretend that you like me. Pretend (laughs) that you respect me. Right? (laughs) Right. And so... I remind, especially young GMs, I remind them that there are only two people, two groups of people in this business with job stability, the media and agents. I'm always have clients to the extent I can convince them to trust me with their careers. Mm -hmm. I don't get cut necessarily. Right. The media is all as long as they can sensationalize enough story to get people clicking on shit. They're going to always players, temporary lifespan, GMs, glorified interns. (laughs) <laughs> so, and there's only a handful of GMs to have that job, literally four, to have that job two times. Wow. So, we could be straight 
be 100 with each other and try to find that middle ground because mm-hmm. that most likely is a middle ground. Or you can try to bullshit me and you see how that dog hunt. And, yeah. and mostly it don't. And so I don't use tactics, try to use the media to embarrass. No, my dude, it's, it's a lot, that, it's a lot of that that goes on, especially now. But that's why, because of those relationships, I could do a Stefan Diggs trade in 24 hours with nobody knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. With that, with because of that, Le'Veon could thumb his nose to the whole league and still get a deal that produced the highest guarantee of any running back in the history of the sport. Not a fake guarantee that gets a team out west cutting you after two years. Mm-hmm. I ain't disparaging nobody, but the reality yeah. is what it is. But yeah. a guarantee public, we could get a we publicly traded company. There yeah. you go. Yeah. But a guarantee that gets a new GM trying to trade you every day of the week, but you can't because you got guaranteed money as a 28, 29-year-old running back. And don't nobody want those guarantees this year or next. So I, I say that partly tooting my horn, but also saying I think people know what they get with us. They know that we, we you know, black and white when it comes to negotiation. They know that my word is my bond, that when I, what I say I'm going to deliver. I don't deal with the media that way. I don't, I don't tell my clients business to the public, period. And so mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about me going behind their back. So our relationships throughout, I think, are very good. Now, am I inviting anybody over for Kwanzaa or something like that? Nah, that, that ain't happening. <laughs> That's not what this is about. That's not yeah. what this is about. My job is to protect the business interests of my players and to make sure we maximize their earnings while they're in the league and off the field. And we do, I think we do a pretty good job of doing that. So let, let's talk about these um, like prospects, right? So again, yeah. um, you know, you, you say you go out, you <clears throat> recruit, say, 100. Uh, prospects a year, we might end up with five, right? So with right. um with some of the, the the say upcoming seniors, juniors who might be declaring for the draft with some of their seasons um in limbo, like how does that affect your whole process as far as like okay, you know, this guy he was on my board. I like I like yeah. his style of game. Um yeah. their conference decide not to play this year. Right. Like how does that affect your decision? Um, does it change? Does it be the change? Or is it something like, okay, well, I like what I've seen. I'm going to go pursue them or, mm-hmm. or what? For the most part, we start from the backdrop that we all are looking into this big question mark, man. We don't even know if it's going to be an April draft, right? You can't <laughs> – if teams are going to – so right now we got what? The 12, the SEC, and the ACC plan, mm-hmm. right, as of today. Mm-hmm. Some smaller – yeah, some smaller. That's some smaller yeah, conference schools, yeah. but – of the, of the five powerhouse conferences, that's where the, you know, 80%, 90% of the drafts coming from those conferences. Yep. Right? The Big Ten produces a lot of NFL talent. Well, right? I think they're not playing. They're possibly playing too. Huh? I just, just saw something today that said they may be possibly playing starting in October or in November. I got I to get confirmation, but I saw that. And, that, and, that's, and that's, that's the point. One, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's, a, there's a conversation going that people don't think any ball is going to be played at the collegiate level. Right, because yeah. even like Alabama, I mean, you got two thousand kids got the COVID and all this. COVID, right? I just we don't seen know how that. much it's gonna be. So if you if if conferences are canceling and trying to play in the spring, how do you host a February combine? Right. When you got players that ordinarily would remember, what's the inventory of product to the NFL? What's the source of that inventory? It's college. Mm-hmm. And those colleges aren't playing. So, are you relying on two thousand nineteen film to make a two thousand twenty one draft selection as an NFL team? Right. So part of the question, Antoine, is we're, we're trying to put together a draft class, every, every agent is, not fully understanding if it's going to be a combine in February, a draft in April, right? Yeah. The real trick is, crazy. <laughs> so the real trick for those agents who decide they're going to you know, pay whatever they have to pay to sign players today who've opted out, 
you taking it's funny because you're taking that young man and sending him to South Florida or Cali or wherever, and all you did was give him a vacation because ain't nobody training for the combine right now. First right. of all, it'd be, it'd be counterintuitive to start training for the combine right now. Yeah, you, you will burn, burn out. out. Yeah, you <laughs> will burn out. <laughs> so the number of kids who will go to that South Beach will hurt a 40-plus-year-old man, right, <laughs> <laughs> after three days. Now you will send these jokers down to Miami for four months. Prior oh. to you start prepping for April, for February, you play these jokers. Yeah, that's going to be, that's gonna be a good time. It's going to be a good time, though. It's going to be a good time, but ain't nobody doing no crunches and no push-ups and nobody down. So I think much of it is a setup for the player while they're looking at, oh, I'm going to get this extended vacation. I'm going to get the floss a little bit because everybody want to put the little fancy tennis shoes on Instagram now and pretend mm -hmm. that they're an NFL player before they oh, become yeah, one. Out of that. And so and agents are going agents facilitate that. So they mm -hmm. quick to put the little, you know, designer shades or designer tennis shoes or the designer skinny jeans. Everybody want to post. Like, look, look at me now because I got some little tennis shoe money or whatever. Um, that could be the setup, a setup for the player and, and, and actually work to the player's disadvantage. Because when you finish your college season, your career, and it's late December or January, you like this. You know what's in front of you. Yeah. Ton of vision. Right? The, the, yep. You got five weeks to get ready for the combine. So I don't constantly have to be saying, hey, man, we got to stay focused. We got to stay focused. Woo, stay away from the beach. Woo, woo. And all our guys train in South Florida. Right. Yeah. And so. We don't have to look. We know that Pete Bomarito is gonna have them sleep by six, seven o'clock because they're gonna be wore out, mm -hmm. right? But now, if you're down there in September, so I think so for us, Twan, we're recruiting like we normally recruit. Um, we're gonna sign the people that we normally sign. Uh, we're gonna uh, prepare them like we normally prepare them by sending them to the training facility that makes sense for them, housing them, transportation, all that other stuff. I don't envision much of how we do business changing at all because of this i think the thing that's going to cause us to kind of step back a little bit is just understanding the landscape come 21. if COVID is still raging and then we have a bunch of football that was not played i mean you got talks now that they might have two senior bowls two weeks of the senior bowl wow. in mobile wow. right a senior bowl for guys who didn't play and then a senior bowl for guys who did play so it's all this stuff going on we know the host. I wouldn't even want to go to that. Exactly, but <laughs> if you didn't play in the game and and these games can can I, possibly remind people, remember you, NFL, you'd be itching for that. Yeah, but just shoot, you ain't played in four months. This dude done played eight exactly. teams. Like you know, that's what they're a week nine and, and week one. But that's why they're talking about having a game for players who actually just got finished playing, so their instincts and reflexes are all still yeah. firing. And then a game for folks who didn't play. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have an A game and two, a B. Two separate <laughs> games. Two separate games. And you so, might have to cut that old film, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly. what I shit. I'd, and for sure, yeah, you bank on that. Some players, Twan. You're get these numbers. Some <laughs> players, I'm like, bro, you don't need to play no more. Mm hmm. Seriously. You don't, you don't need to play. And I get it. You, you may not be considered a da da da. But you may, we may be talking to a guy who, no matter what you do this year, the it's third not going to help. Gonna be yourself. Right, right, right. It's not going to help. It's not going to help or hurt. You feel me? And so, so let's just do what we do and 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 see where see where we end up. I think we lost Darius. Oh, I, I did. I'm still not. Right. Oh, okay. still, his camera be dying <laughs> every every forty five minutes. That's that, that's that's that target camera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so for us, for us, I think our business stays the same. I think the thing that we're still we're studying, uh, constantly studying, and are, are leery about is what the landscape will be. Just the mm -hmm. NFL pre-draft landscape, and if there are any, you know, if that changes our advice, 
um, our counsel with respect to the clients that we sign. Nah, man, yeah. that's that's good stuff. For sure, man. We um, you got anything else, D Buck? I get my last question. What we got you, and you um, obviously you you dealt with the crazy situation with Le'Veon, uh, because mm -hmm. I feel like that position as a whole is is going through a shift right now in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Value, and you got another uh, big time running back. I just heard last couple of days who've been out with uh Kamara. Kamara, yeah, Minnesota. He, yeah, you know, obviously it was Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Nixon yeah. just got extended, but I feel like that that market so weird, man. Like, how do you? Yeah. Which direction you see that running back market going with how the NFL game is changing as well? Yeah, I think there are two. Well, I mean, quite frankly, it's clear there are two types of running backs in today's, um, uh, and we got a we have a bunch of them. There's that running back who's a one-dimensional guy, either yep. one-dimensional receiving type guy or one-dimensional rushing type guy. So mm -hmm. I have. Let me give you two examples. I represent Tevin Coleman for the for 49ers by way of the Falcons, and I represent Jordan Howard now with the Dolphins. Yep. Both of them have the ability to be multifaceted players. Mm -hmm. But to date, they've only demonstrated one, uh, you know, one level of play, one style of play. In Tevin's case, it's as a receiving, more of a you know, perimeter kind of guy. Right. And then in Jordan's case, it's a down the hill in between the tackles guy. Mm -hmm. If you want to get double-digit money, you got to be a everything, every down the distance. You got to be a receiver and a runner and a blocker. And if you are that, say New Orleans, yep. say Dalvin, Oh, you 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 fight to get your bread. I don't care what they call your position. The question is how you're utilized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it was. Look, I'll, I'll give you this. Y'all too young to remember yeah. this, but in the late '80s, early '90s, the the litmus test that the media ascribed to the running back in terms of who was a good running back is if does he carry the ball 30 times a game? Is he a 30 30 carry a game kind of guy? Yeah. Bell Nobody ever carried the ball you, 30 times a game. Nobody you, did that shit. You done in three years, two years. <laughs> exactly. Nobody did that shit. But it, it'd be a game in a season where a dude would have 30 carries in a game or 31 carries in a game. But nobody, the highest average was Sean Alexander for Seattle back in the day, and he was averaging 24 carries a game. But we said it so much that that became the test for teams, too. Are you a 30 carry? Oh, he is not a 30. I, and so I definitely now, thought it would be more than that. And so now we're hey. saying, oh, the running back position is devalued. They throw the ball 70% of the time, running back position. But then you look up, Tennessee Titans, homeboy, carried that team. Mm -hmm. When you look up, Minnesota goes through their running game. When you look up, New Orleans goes, I mean, Kamara's everything to them, mm -hmm. right? So I don't care that they label you a running back. You don't pay me for my title. You pay me for my contribution. Yeah. So if I'm yeah. representing any of those players, look, y'all can say what y'all want about the position. You need to call me something else because <laughs> I do everything for y'all. And because I do everything for y'all, I should be compensated accordingly. And I'm sure their agents are advising them as such because that's that's what it is. Now, another another question, another real question, too, where um, you see these deals go across the screen and, you know, obviously they just going to put up the, um, the 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 big number. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The big number is right. um, 200 mil, whatever the case may be. As an right. agent, when you go on in these deals, obviously, you know, as a player, um, D-Butt knows we looking for that that guarantee mm -hmm. at the end of the day that guarantee and then you have some deals that's backloaded like just explain why those deals are just horrible like backloaded you know it's a five-year deal and then you you know all your money is in year four year five you never we already know you never gonna see that just exp explain like yeah. why, why would an agent even negotiate that that question i can't answer right <laughs> 
because I, I scratch my head on that all the time saying you you could look so your deal you want either you want two things when it comes to the loading of the deal you either want it to be heavily front loaded or at worst you want it to be even you don't want to create an incentive for the team to have to cut you after year three because it goes like this right yeah they know there's no way that can be absorbed by your cap Right. So unfortunately, the way it works now, the thing that we're fighting right now is five year deals in the NFL, or three year deals that guarantees won't cover three years. Right. If you, and so we're trying to front load as much bread in the front. So it's not only just the loading of the contract, meaning of the of the, uh, the value being in the first three years. Right. It's also the qualitative value of the guarantee. An NFL guarantee is three pronged. It's a guarantee for skill, injury and the salary cap. So you get dues all the time with now doing rolling guarantees, meaning at the signing point, I'm protecting you against injury. But then by every March, the skill and cap component kicks in. The reason teams say this is because when you fully guarantee at signing, whatever that number is, you got to escrow. The team has to escrow that dollar. They got to literally write a check, put it in the bank, and that's Darius Butler's money. Mm -hmm. And so teams, even today, the NFL is a golden goose, but teams be crying broke. We ain't got the cash flow, so we got to give you this, you just, you know, injury up front and then every March. But it then gives you a window, a la Todd Gurley. It gives you a window before the trigger date in March to cut you, to if, cut, you right. if you're healthy. So then it think about the, the, the consequences of that, though, the unintended consequences. I'm protected from injury, which is very important in the, in the, in the league that we know everybody's going to be getting hurt, right? Mm -hmm. But I got to get to March 15th on the 49ers. What they do is April 1st. They started that with Kaepernick's first deal. They got a window, but that skill and cap component of the guarantee doesn't kick in until April 1st, giving them a full month to evaluate the draft and free agency before they decide to keep you, right? Wow. So, but I'm good if I'm hurt. Twan, you could, after year five, you could have got something operated on every year if you wanted to. It was something that could have got scoped. So now mm -hmm. players are forced to get a surgery so they could be deemed injured and roll into March for that skill and cap for component skill, to, kick the, in. to kick in. And so that's really a, something that, quite frankly, we as agents, I mean, in Le'Veon's case, we, we had free agency to leverage, so he got all that gar fully guaranteed money up front and it wasn't rolling, right? Um, but typically, if you don't have, if you're not a, a, a Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that or somebody that's highly sought, off, sought after in free agency, you won't have the leverage to negotiate a full guarantee of point signing. So you're going to have this rolling guarantee. That's a product, quite frankly, that we missed on as a union. I mean, we fought this issue with the last CB. We, we were, I was constantly you know, telling them, look, this idea of escrowing being the reason why we can't have these full guarantees, these teams are cl claiming they, they don't have enough money to, to escrow, to put aside all these guarantees. We need, that's a concept that came about when the NFL was a fledgling enterprise where teams mm -hmm. were strapped for cash. Why do we still have that old concept? Why do we have the franchise tag that limits the amount of money the best player can get? If you want LeBron James, you got to pay for LeBron James. Yeah. And if, Le if LeBron James is making this money, the number two dude will naturally get pulled up get to him. Up, but right. now with the franchise tag, we're artificially suppressing the highest paid player. And therefore, mm -hmm. we're, we're, therefore we're suppressing everybody beneath them. Mm -hmm. Right? And these are things that, you know, are labor issues, are CBA issues, um yeah that's the guy so so Twan, to your point you're absolutely right um i think the key of it is agent and player understanding that i'm not the dude to negotiate your deal while you work on your backpedal and change the direction no nah, mm -hmm. you, Twan, you know we i'm negotiating 
I'm on the phone with you. Here's what we fighting over. Mm-hmm. Right? Because of Twan's proximity, oftentimes, I remember the second deal, he'd be over at the office. Yeah. I'd be hanging up. Hell, in the second deal, we we at the gym together when they finally <laughs> agreed our terms. We working out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm like, I'll look at him like, you want to do this? He's like, yeah, let's go do it. Then we just run across the street back to the office to, to do the deal. Yeah. So if the agent is communicating with the player about how this business works, how this contract works, we'll see more players taking hard stands to demand their real value. But as long as there's this transactional relationship between agent and player, I bought you, let me do my job, you do your job, woo, 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 and the agent is really focused on. So to your, one of the things, and I'm not disparaging anybody, Tom, but to your point, if you run your business like a used car salesman, if you run your business like a, a, a volume-based business and you just want new client, new client, new client, you don't really give a shit about them last two years. That's backloaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to collect your fee on the front, and no by the time front. you get to that fourth year, you're going to have a new class of clients anyway, and you're going to keep do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And the yeah. only one that gets paid or that gets hurt is the player, and that play, especially if that player doesn't understand how these contracts work. It's imperative that players pick agents who are, in fact, going to educate them on the business of this thing. Along the process, yeah. Yeah. Can't believe we've been on this thing an hour, man. You know, we can talk about these things all, all day. Nah, for sure. Nah, nah, nah. I definitely hey, Twan, real quick, man. I was thinking about you, you and you and Sam yesterday. I was Josie and I was sitting up and talking about uh Chadwick and his passing. And we mm. went to see Panther, the Black Panther together. The Black Panther together in New Orleans. In New Orleans, JD mm-hmm. Justin Durant's wedding. Yeah. Damn, man. Yeah. RP, man. It's a legend right there. That's man. crazy. That's man. crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But I appreciate you brothers having me on, man. Definitely uh, proud of both of you. This, I listen to the podcast uh, frequently. You guys continue to have these real conversations, man, and uh, and just bring truth to power. Because and this is what your generation has been doing, and yep. we need we need much more of that too. Appreciate nah, you, man. man. As always, man. Appreciate you. All right, now holla, right. y'all be All good. Right. Yep, yep. All right, bro. And there it is, um, another episode of the Man to Man podcast. Uh, you definitely got a different perspective um, from an agent's view. Um, again, um, Adisa Ricard, man, he's been representing me for uh, for 14 years. Uh, tried to get D-Butt, but D-Butt was like, nah, I'm going to go elsewhere. They threw that bag at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but some real convos, some real conversations um, that, again, as we always say, um, you gonna get the real on here on the man to man pod. Um, either which way, you you not you you're not gonna be able to run away from the real, and um, that's what we're gonna give you. So until next time, I may be uh, obviously my man, my brother, co-host D Butt, and um, we'll catch you.